Morning, everybody. Monday morning. Thank you to Christo. He's back with you tomorrow. This weather can't make up its mind, can it? It really cannot make up its mind. One minute, as Christo says, we're going to an ice age, according to the... Uh, I'm sorry. Rescuing a bit of paper I stuck down earlier on. Uh, one minute, we're going into an ice age. The next minute, according to the papers today, it's going to be another heat wave, and we're all going to be sitting here sweltering as we, as we go into winter. It's absolutely ludicrous, isn't it? Very nice weekend. Thank you for asking. I trust yours was, uh, was equally exciting. Dinner on uh, Friday... Paul Savory's house, which was very nice, very nice indeed. Staggered back in the uh, the early hours of the morning, which was which was equally exciting, and um, we talked about everything, talked about everything. And then yesterday, went down to Brighton for the day, and had uh, had lunch there on the seafront, which was which was really nice, really really nice. The weather was fantastic, you know, even better than I thought it was going to be. And uh, again, just nice cruising up and down the Quasette in Brighton. Uh, taking in all the sights. And it was it's good because you can park there for hours. If you go a bit further up towards the Hove direction, t- towards the centre of town, it's nigh on impossible. But if you park near the Hove section, it's, it's great. And, uh, and that was lovely. And then, of course, I got back and I hadn't read a blasted paper. So I had to go out and buy the papers. And, uh, and sat down last night, cutting items out of the Sunday papers, thinking, I must remember to do this. Opened up the papers this morning to realise there's an absolute plethora of stuff that we can do. I was a bit excited about getting my Jamie British Classics, the Sunday roast steak. All these pictures look delicious. And it's only because he can make a roast potato, as far as I'm concerned, look like a roast potato. But uh, he's, he's got his potatoes, which he obviously served with honey. It's making my mouth water it's too early in the morning for talking about food. But I was, uh, I was, I'd, I'd cut bits out of the paper over the weekend. I'll just tell you very briefly the bits that I, I cut out. Firstly, Nancy Delolio was last night accused of dancing like she drank two gallons of champagne. Have you noticed with, with, with Nancy, she can't keep men, not very good at keeping men, and secondly, she dances like a cart horse. I mean, she really is just... There's something... There's, there's got the word failure written all over her. I can't work out quite wide, because but, and then I sort of thought, well, she couldn't keep Sven-Goran Eriksson. She can't keep anybody at all. John Wise was talking about uh, just when Big Brother, it is still on, apparently, couldn't get any more pointless. The uh, new producers threw up uh, Lauren Harris, the child prodigy, who wasn't, turned out to be a fraud, uh, now turned celebrity transsexual, to give her commentary. A rather peculiar, stupid waste of space, I'm afraid. Even more of a waste of space as a precocious little child with a little bow tie. We should have seen the warning sign, shouldn't we, I'm afraid. And uh, uh, he actually turned up uh, to give commentary on the goings-on, which mainly involved her saying which of the Big Brother contestants she'd like a brass rubbing against. I mean, you know, ugly, unattractive and total waste of space, but that's Channel 5 for you. Uh, Peter Andre has revealed there's a bitter secret behind the breakdown of his marriage. Yes, we've heard this dreary pronouncement from Peter Andre God knows how many times. You know, Peter, why don't you just put up or shut up? Because nobody's interested in you. My big secret. We don't care. He's also, in one of the papers today, proving he don't become any more stupid than Peter Andre, complaining about uh, celebrity parents who push their children. This from a man who puts his children on every one of his TV programmes. I think pop kettle and black, Peter. But as your, uh, as your stupid non-event story reveals the truth of your split from Katie, nobody gives a forex about, pal. We're really, don't, we're not, really not interested at all. I also watched The Only Way is Essex. Must have been a repeat. This morning, mustn't it? Must have been a repeat. And I watched it and I suddenly realised that uh, that Mark Wright is a nasty piece of work. He really is nasty. Him and that fat um, 
I'm assuming it's just a close friend, that's Arge, who's another one, he, he's just just an idiot, I'm afraid. No, no use to man nor beast. Uh, Mark was given a good telling off by some Spanish guy last night, which I thought was quite funny. And then you saw the nasty side of Mark creep out there. A man who, as one of the girls points out, has got no friends at all. Absolutely no friends. Like Harry. Harry's got no friends of his own age to play with, so he hangs around with the girls, so he becomes more stupid and more girlified by the day. Small wonder the audience are turning off, I'm afraid. And as for Mark thinking he's got any talent, look in the mirror, mate. Look in the mirror. Uh, in the Extra magazine, Gavin's girl, it's Leila. Leila looks like she's And uh, the Towie temptress, Sam Faiers. No, we have no idea who she is either, I'm afraid. So it's just another one of these... Stra- There's a girl in... Um, Don't you wear Essex? I think her name's Gemma. Oh, God, she's horrible. She's horrible. She's the second-hand car dealer who was going out with the bloke who might or might not own a nightclub, who's, who's ancient beyond belief. And he's got a rather peculiar son. In fact, they're, they're peculiar, both of them. And they keep telling us real people. I keep thinking, God, I'm so glad I don't live down there. And, and then, now there's another girl jumped on the bandwagon because she thought she was going to be dumped from the series. So she's going over. And Gemma, who's as big as three houses, they were at a, like, like a sleepover. But everybody's wearing so much makeup, it's troweled on. And also, they're way too old, these poor old baggages, to have sleepovers. Really, really way too old. Uh, the other good news was, and we needed some good news over the weekend, apart from the weather, which was good news. Paul McCartney gets married. And uh, certainly a lot classier than the last one he got married to, who we finally shoved off into the distance. So uh, well done to Paul and Nancy Chevelle. Uh, she's heir to a haulage company. Make up your own jokes. And uh, he then um, played a new song for his wife. He's written a new song. I don't think he's written anything as good as the uh, the Frog Chorus, I'm afraid. Not for a long while. So uh, I'll be interested to hear what that one sounds like. He said, she's perfection, I'm so happy. Good, good, good. Very pleased about that. Edwina Curry was kicked out of Strictly Come Dancing. The Mirror called Jason Donovan a cha-cha-cheat because they said he'd been having private cha-cha-cha lessons. And I thought, well, what's the matter with that? This show's dedication. He knows that he's not particularly good at dancing, so he's going for extra dancing lessons. It doesn't make you a cha-cha-cheat. It means you're a per-per-professional. Thank you very much indeed. Uh, and then, of course, God knows what's going on with Liam Fox and the strange man who he drags around all over the place who appears to have a partner. And then there's a cat and then... And then the whole thing just degenerates. No doubt they'll be talking about that on breakfast this morning. And if you really want to plumb the depths today, look no further than Chantal, living the dream, and Alex Reed. Chantal has been married already. Alex Reed, who is not divorced, but yet proposed on an Irish chat show to Chantal. So desperate to this, uh, this couple to get some publicity and try and make some money because Alex's career has just gone nowhere. People think he's a joke. You can't get married, Alex. You're still... Married to the uh, the over-made-up one. But the good news is that Cheryl Cole's been out four times this week. But there again, when you're not working, you can go out every night of the week. So that's fantastic. All the papers are saying exactly the same about Alex Reed and uh, silly Chantel Houghton, that they've uh, stooped to an impressively low level of dignity by getting engaged on a television programme. Uh, but as I say, they are, they, are, they are desperate beyond belief. And what do you get today? On the television, you get two ghastly programmes on the television, both on the same channel. And the two programmes are so-called Joke Joke Celebrity Coach Trip, and the other one is Celebrity Come Dine With Me, neither of which contain celebrities. So we'll run through those in a moment. Paddy, I'm a traveller and aren't I lovely, according to Sally Boko Doherty. 
uh, was at the centre of two punch-ups with his celebrity big brother pals. He went out with the ghastly Amy Childs, still as thick as a plank, I'm afraid, and uh, Darren... I don't know what you are, love. I've really got no idea. But anyway, uh, Paddy, uh, a former bare-knuckle boxer... How much tax have you paid, Paddy? Uh, ...was kicked out of a club... And uh, because his son was there and that, you know, it's it's this uh, dreadful sugar hut, I'm afraid, you know, to be honest with you, they wouldn't normally let sort of people like that in. You know, people are going to start fights and just be uh, be horrible. Peter Andre, as I say, has blasted parents who push their children into the spotlight, despite featuring his youngsters, Junior Princess and uh, all the rest of it in his TV programme. He's uh, he's uh, slamming the likes of Will and Jada Pinkett Smith for letting their children become famous stars. I mean, I can't, can't quite see your point there, Pete. I know, Popsy Kims, you've not been in the news for a little while because nobody's interested in the ramblings of some dribbling idiot whose pop career fizzled out ages ago. But worse is yet to come, I'm afraid, because t- today, back on the television, with the lovely Brendan, it's Celebrity Coach Trip. Yes, Celebrity Coach Trip. And what non-entities have they dredged up from the gutter, ladies and gentlemen? Here they are, well-known whoopsies about town. Phil and Gary. Phil and Gary. Phil not wearing his uh, his sort of funny fake glasses, but still with the haircut of 50 years ago, looking a bit like an advert for a Lowry picture. And uh, they're in the driving seat, and they say, uh, here... Uh, we've kicked Peter and Katie off the hot TV column today, and we're on here. We'll be familiar faces to you. It's certainly ours, not any familiar faces. As celebrity makeup artists for stars like Katie Price. My God, how will she cope without you? Very well, I should imagine. Tamara Eccleston and Kelly Brook. And, of course, um, the other one, Phil, has been on House Invaders and Design. And, uh, and that's about it, I'm afraid. But anyway, they're on the coach trip with Spencer... Uh, Spencer Smith and Brian Bellow. Spencer Smith was from Big Brother. He was the rather waste of space. Brian was the even bigger waste of space. Plus, they're also on with um, Michael Barrymore. So it's an all it's an all inclusive cast. They've got Wag Lizzie Cundy <laughs> and Emma B and Lembit Opic. So, in other words, it really is a naff line-up on the bus. But uh, anyway, it'd be nice to see the two girls on there, Gary and Phil, doing their best to entertain you with celebrity stories, the like of which you've never heard before. However, you don't get away that lightly, because you also get on the television a new celebrity come dine with me tonight. And that's where you get Chantel, living the dream. Oh, look, packet, uh, opening it up there. Can't imagine she can ever cook. But uh, she's going to be on there, together with... Um, I can't remember who else is on this celebrity big the, the celebrity come dine with me. Oh, it's got um, that um, Barry George, that peculiar looking darts player who's got all that naff jewellery on. Ugh, dear me, how ghastly! And there was somebody else, Cleo Rockus. Thought she'd have known better. And who else? There was somebody else on there. It's of no consequence. They're obviously not a very important person at all. And um, and and that's about it. So you've got two dreadful programmes on the celebrity coach trip. You know, and I'd say, you wait till you see how they go. It's it's going to be very funny, very funny indeed, especially with sort of the two hot boys in town, Gary and Phil. I can't wait to see Lizzie Cundy. She can't get arrested, can she, Lizzie Cundy? I didn't think there was much work sort of going for her, so she's taken a coach trip. Oh, not printer issues again. And um, and, and who else? There was nobody else on there apart from, say, Lembit Opic. Oh, and Alex Best is on there as well. 
This was filmed ages ago, I have to tell you. Ages and ages ago. It's been sitting there because I wondered why. Uh, so far, nothing had actually appeared on the television. Presume they've got to edit it because it's just so appalling. Because they're all so dreadfully dull. Even Noreen says, Brian said to remind you. Celebrity coach trip and come dine with me are on tonight. And it's Tuesday's come dine when Alex Reed shows up. Uh, that's the boyfriend or girlfriend, depending on what, what clothes he's wearing, of Chantelle, who'll frankly marry a drainpipe if, uh, if it's on offer, because she's got nothing else going for her at all, poor soul. But uh, obviously a very clever agent to actually get her a gig in the first place when she is dim. She'll make some of those Essex skills look, uh, look intelligent. And then the uh, Nancy Delusional, still in the dancing. Can't imagine why. They kicked out Edwina Curry yesterday. And uh, I, I secretly think it was all those Conservative MPs who decided, after she embarrassed everybody by having that long, long relationship with John Major, that, uh, that they'd kick her out. And uh, so they have done. Mind you, it'll be good for her. She was halfway through losing a, a, a major bit of weight because she ploughed it on recently, I'm afraid. 16 minutes past five. <laughs> These are the headlines. Another tough day for the Defence Secretary. He faces questions from other MPs later over his working relationship with his former flatmate. Yesterday, Liam Fox apologised if things were, as he put it, blurred when it came to meetings he'd arranged with Adam Werity. Thousands of lecturers from universities across the country have started industrial action in a long-running dispute over pensions. Members of the university and college unions are warning the action could escalate into strikes if the row's not settled. And Paul McCartney's waking up to the start of his third marriage after tying the knot with American heiress Nancy Chevelle. He married at the same town hall in which he married Linda McCartney back in 1969. Check on the roads for you this morning. Andy McCall. Morning, Steve. No problems to watch out for the motorways so far. One's a- Steve Allen. Bobby George. Bobby George. Not Barry George. Bobby George. What it began with a B? I mean, for goodness sake. Bobby George. He's the, he's the peculiar darts player. Talks like that. Was quite, in fact, he's a bit Mike Reed, you know, hello, Treacle, you know, a little bit like that. And he's, he's covered in this ghastly cheap jewellery. There's something, you know, there's something worse than tattoos, and that's cheap jewellery, I'm afraid, and he's adorned with it. But then I saw the inside of his house once on television. Oh, dear. Very tacky. Anyway, so good news for Paul McCartney. Let's hope he finds uh, love and happiness this time around. I think he will. She's far more intelligent than the last one. And, um, mind you, I like Linda McCartney. I like Linda McCartney. I thought she, she couldn't sing for Toffee, but, I mean, who cares? You know, I think they were very good for each other, and it was good. Uh, the end is in sight for amusement arcades, which means that all the people who go to the seaside are going to be really disappointed, because as, as kids, that's where we went. You know, you'd take your shilling or 12 pennies, and you'd go and you'd walk around all the machines, decide which one was going to get the benefit of your penny. You know, could you see a return? Would you get a packet of sweet? All that for a shilling. And the, the reason that they could all face closure is because of new tax changes. They estimate a typical operator will have to pay out £400,000 extra under the new machine gaming duty. We have an amusement arcade in Twickenham. To be honest with you, I've never seen any more than two people in there. I don't know how they survive. They must make enough money out of two machines. Because some people sit in there forever. It's, but it's not the same as Las Vegas. It's not the same as that at all. There's uh, Will Bollum here, runs the Olympia Arcade, founded by his grandfather. He fears his business is at risk. He said most operators are traditional firms, just like us. We're as much a part of the seaside as donkey rides. I have 15 staff. I don't want to lose any, but these changes will make things very difficult. And I agree. I mean, I, I agree that if you go to the seaside, you expect to see amusement arcades. Brighton Pier, three quarters of it, is amusement arcades. That's how they make their money. That's all you hear is the sound of chinky-chink coins. And that's what gets the kids in. 
Because on a majority of the machines, the kids can play them, and all they've got to have is machine operators who actually go round and make sure that the things are still functioning and still taking the money. And they put on there, you know, this machine pays out 75% of winnings. You think, yes, it probably does, but that's in its lifetime. That's in its lifetime. Uh, here's Vic, uh, Vic Beckham out again. Oversized glasses, still carrying the baby. She's going to fall off those heels one of these days. She really is. And Sarah Harding, remember Sarah... I know she's still around. It's a bit difficult to try and make something of her. But she's jetted off with Tom Crane for a secret make-or-break holiday. Luckily, they were able to tell the papers where they were jetting off to on their secret make-or-break holiday so that she can uh, garner a bit more publicity for a woman who does absolutely nothing in her life. Nothing. Girls allowed. Please, God, they never turn up. I'm here to tell you some bad news, though, this morning. Sorry to... Sorry. It's not the best news I've ever told you. It's going to occur later on on this morning... Steps are going to make an announcement. The announcement is that they're going to be going back on stage and touring. Fifteen dates in the diary. So if you want to see the world's greatest miming band, who uh, fell out with each other and still don't like each other, this is in a last-ditch attempt to try and get something going. Because there's about as much chance of them singing live as me hang-gliding from the top of Mount Everest, I'm afraid. Get the wings out, Stephen. Get the wings out. So they're, they're going to make this big announcement. They hate each other. People still hate H. They still hate Claire. And uh, Lisa Scott Lee vowed... There was some reason, some years ago, Lisa Scott Lee said she wouldn't sing anymore. And we went, thank God for that. And then, the, and then the, there were the three Scott Lees, weren't there? The, the brothers. Luckily, their, their career... What are they working now? What do they, what do, they do if you've been in a, in a popular group? Uh, and, the, and the Scott... Where do they go to? They were sort of, they were like sort of forerunner to sort of JLS kind of thing, except JLS can sing and get away with it, and the the brother Scott Lee couldn't do anything at all, and um, and so Steps are going to be touring again. It's enough to make you curl up and die, isn't it? Really, it's enough to make you give up. So they've re-released an album full of their greatest hit, you know, all masterminded beautifully by uh, by Mr. Um, what who did their Stock Aitken Water Pete Waterman, who who did all their hits. And said to me, on an in-conversation, but it was a, that, that reminds me, he said, I'd never let them sing live. He said, why let them ruin something that you've spent ages crafting in a studio? And so, consequently, we never saw them singing live. So I'll be interested. I mean, everything they did was miming. You know, H doing his little girly steps with a little headphone. Who they thought they were singing to, I've got no idea. Or miming into their headphones. Very funny. Very, very funny. Uh, the bloke who was pictured during the looting, which we had in this country, in a wheelchair... Uh, carrying, I mean, a lovely picture of him in a wheelchair, carrying an Alba television. Uh, his name's David Knott. An accomplice, an accomplice of his had looted the television. Uh, he was in a wheelchair at the time because he'd broken a leg or something. And um, he isn't actually wheelchair-bound, but he had the wheelchair, and they gave it to him to get it out so they could push it down the road quickly. Anyway, I'm delighted to tell you that uh, he's just been jailed for a year for thieving. That's fantastic, and there's a lovely picture of him. Just so you know, when he comes out... You know, be very careful around him. His name's David Knott, 18. Where does he come from? He comes from Eltham in uh, South London. So, uh, off for a year inside. It'll be very good, won't it? But I'm glad they've actually come down quite hard on these people. I'm really very glad. Very glad. I was watching a programme on DVD the other day, and it was called Earth, and it's with a Scottish professor, and it's, it's very good. And he does, at one point, they're looking at mountains and stuff like that, and there is a bloke climbing up a vertical face with his bare hands, with no ropes above him to hold him up at all. I felt physically ill again. I cannot do these things on height. And he's going, oh, I think I'm slipping, I'm slipping, I might fall, I'm getting... Oh, my... And then the camera panned down. Because you tend to forget, if somebody's being filmed climbing up a vertical wall, 
that there's a cameraman next to him who's having to film the thing. I felt ill. I felt quite ill watching this this poor man climbing up this thing and trying to find... I mean, my hands... I was, I was sweating. The sweat was pouring off my hands as I'm watching him, thinking, I could never climb up this thing. This is my worst nightmare. Somebody taking me and putting me on a mountain. And then there's another picture in the mirror today. And it's the El Caminito del Rey in Spain. And it's a walkway on a vertical cliff. It's a 100 metres drop. And it was originally built in 1905. It's, it's a wooden structure which is just clipped to the walls of this mountain. And the people walked around it to get to a hydroelectric station. Unfortunately, it, it was closed because two climbers fell off it to their deaths. And um, they say now, because much of it is crumbling and there's a little handrail and there is a, a wire affixed to the wall so people can clip themselves onto it. You look at this, nothing on earth would get you up there, but adrenaline junkies love it. They cannot get enough of this kind of thing. You wouldn't get me climbing on anything like that. You, would, you wouldn't even get me up there attached to a wire. Nothing on earth would get me up here. So even looking at this sort of thing makes me feel a little bit queasy. They brought out a giant avocado. Think of the size of an avocado and think of something four times bigger. It's the size of a football. It's an avocado. And uh, so, it, so it's a size. It, it weighs as much as three rugby balls. Sounds a lot of avocado to me. It's 1.5 kilograms. It's known as Linda, Spanish for beautiful. That's another word you've learned this morning. Okay. Hello, you're Linda. Thank you. He's beautiful. And it's about a fiver. It's grown in Peru. And what, they, what, what they've done is, opposed to harvesting early, they've let it stay on the tree for about a year. And so it gets to this huge size. And uh, it's going to be sold in Waitrose. So that's good. It's good, isn't it? I do like avocado. I do like av- avocado and prawns. Or beetroot and prawns are quite nice as well. Avocado, though, it's, I'm sure it's, it's very fattening. I'm sure it's fattening. I remember reading something about avocado a long while ago. Sad news. This is uh, Harry Mosley, who's in the papers today. He was known as Britain's kindest kid. He was diagnosed uh, two years ago with a brain tumour. And he then went on to, uh, to raise lots of money. Half a million pounds selling bracelets for his Help Harry, Help Others campaign. Only eleven. He died the other day because he lost his uh, his his battle. But there's a picture with him with the with the celebrities all out there, and you think, do you know, it's such a waste, isn't it? When a, when a child dies, yeah, somebody eighty ninety, you can understand. They've had a great life. At eleven, he's had nothing. He crammed a lot into the last two years of his life. But at the, at the end of the day, I wish somebody could explain to me if there is a God, what the hell's he doing? How can you let a child of 11 die? It's just not possible, is it? So Britain's kindest boy, and he lost his battle the other day. John Terry says he's done so much for others, his story broke my heart. And probably other people as well. You look at his picture today and you think, you know, it's just not fair. It's just not fair. It's never nice when, when people sort of pass on, but especially a little 11-year-old. But his mum said he died in my arms at 11.10 yesterday. So bless you wherever you are. Um, the Celebrity Coach Trip starts at 5 and Celebrity Come Dine With Me 80s style at 5.30 Noel Edmonds live programme did you see the other day they had a woman on there with pink hair and she was doing quite well she got to the end 250,000 and a fiver and the banker comes back and offers something like 68,000 and well you would think deal no she doesn't deal she goes uh, thank you but no thank you. And he goes, would you like the swap? No, I'll stick with this box. Of course, he opens it, it's a fiver. Well, I'm laughing like a drain. 
And I'm thinking, it's she agreed. £66,000. You deal! Even Noel Edmonds said you would deal! What on earth is the matter with you? It drives me mad, these people. It's LBC 97.3. It's Monday morning, it's early breakfast at 5.30. Morning, everybody. Monday morning, early breakfast, LBC 97.3, and we're in for another heatwave. This weather is just crazy, isn't it? Absolutely crackers. And it was such a nice weekend. I mean, I was out... Saturday went all over the place. I'm trying to find... Okay, my friend Helena says to me, if you're going out today and you're going to a House of Fraser store, can you get me a lip pencil? Okay, a lip pencil. Now, luckily, because I've done health and beauty programmes, I know what a lip pencil is. It's for all you ladies out there. So when you've, when you've sort of... You, you outline your lips and then you put your lippy in the middle and it stops bleeding. Okay, so it stops your lipstick spreading out and all the rest of it. So I know what a lip pencil is. So she says, can you go? And it's a make called Urban Decay, which is quite nice. And she said, the colour is naked. So I say, right, where's it on sale? She goes, House of Fraser do it. So I go to House of Fraser in Richmond. They don't do Urban Decay. She says, go to Westfield. So Saturday morning, I drive to Westfield, having put £40 worth of petrol in the car to get there. And I get there and I park at another... Goodness knows how much, whatever it was to park. And I go to House of Fraser. So I think, to save walking about, I'll ask in there, can you tell me where the Urban Decay is in House of Fraser? It's quite a big one in Westfield. No, we don't do Urban Decay. Right. Who actually does it? Um, It's done uh, by Debenhams. Okay, I shall go to Debenhams. So I go to Debenhams. And, uh, and I'm looking round, and I go downstairs, and I find Urban Decay. I find, there it is, a little stand, but unfortunately, it's all practically down on the floor. When I say on the floor, I'm on my hands and knees, trying to find, you know, the colour. I can find the lip pencil, but I'm blowed if I can find the colour. Now, she bought it in America, and I'm thinking maybe they only do the colour in America. So I'm looking round, there's not one member of staff anywhere to be seen. In Debenham. Nobody. This is Saturday morning at half past ten. It's not like I've turned up at nine o'clock. So eventually I see a security guard. I say security. They generally wander around looking a little bit vacant. And I go, is, is there anybody working here? Thinking maybe, you know, good time for shoplifting. And so he said, no. And that, and that was it. That was all he said. No. I went, OK, fine. So I go to another woman who's sort of sitting hidden behind some nail bar things. And I go, is anybody working over here? I said, I only ask. I said, because it does seem odd. She said, um, I'll see if I can find somebody. So we both, so of course, we're both standing there looking into the distance. There's nobody there. There is nobody serving in Debenhams at half past ten, apart from the woman on this nail thing. Anyway, eventually three women, it takes three of them to push a trolley, come back. And so she goes, oh, yeah. I said, I'm looking for... Urban Decay, which I know is here. I'm looking for the lip liner in Naked. And I said, is, is the woman here? No, she doesn't work Saturday. I said, she doesn't work Saturday? I said, what's the point of that? Oh, she just works Monday to Friday. I said, I said are you serious? She goes, yeah. I get, well, it's a bit pointless. What's the point of having a company like Urban Decay there? And they seem to have quite a good range of, of stuff. And she doesn't work Saturday. Might as well just close the place down, I said, because it's a waste of everybody's time. Anyway, she's on her hands and knees, scrabbling around on the floor, trying to find this colour, which, sadly, they don't do. So it must be an American colour, and I'm assuming, because I'm not that well up on how the colours operate, that in America they'd get different colours to over here. So if you go and buy something in America, and you come back here, the chances are you can't get the thing. So I then phone my friend up, and I go, 
listen, they don't do this colour over here. She said, I didn't expect you to go to Westfield. I said, well, that's what a true friend is. I said, I'm that sort of person. For you, I'll spend £45 on petrol, £6 on parking, you know, and endless amounts of shoe leather trekking around to find your lip pencil from Urban Decay in the colour Naked, which they don't do. So, at the end of the day, I kind of gave it up as a, as a lost cause. And I had a, had a little wander around, trying to work out where the Dickens I parked. Because that's, that's always the next bad thing. And normally on Saturday, I'd get the car washed, but I thought it was going to rain, so I didn't bother. I didn't bother getting the car washed at all. So then I went to Brighton yesterday, and that was really lovely. I mean, that was a, it was a nice drive down there. Full. I pulled into... This is expensive, isn't it? Costa Coffee. Are there shots of coffee doubles... And because, whatever it was, it was £2.99 for the coffee, for a cappuccino, and 50p for the extra shot. And I'm assuming all theirs must be doubles. At two ninety nine, it was way too expensive. But I walk into the service station at Pease Pottage uh, to be confronted by about a 1,000 butch men on Harley-Davidson's. It was the Harley... Well, I'm, I'm sort of there. They've all got all their, their machines, all the heads are all polished up, and they all look very nice and shiny. The funny thing is, the, the bikes look immaculate. The people riding them look like they've been dressed by Oxfam. I jumped in a hedge, but they all look dirty and grubby, but the bikes looked immaculate. And uh, so I'm looking at their bikes and all the rest of it, and they're sort of looking at me, and I'm thinking, oh, God, I'm going to be killed. And uh, so anyway, so I, I get my cup of coffee, and, uh, and then come back out and then pootle off down there. And halfway down to Brighton, I encounter... The Jolly Boys outing. It's the mods. The mods are off on their little... I'm thinking, oh, if only they knew that just around the corner there's all these people on Harley-Davidson's. I think I'll overtake them. It could be another repeat of the riots. But the trouble is, all the little kids on the uh, on the uh, the little scooters, they've all got L-plates on. Bless their hearts. <laughs> they obviously haven't passed a test or anything. And uh, so, in fact, got into Brighton, and it was lovely. It was really, really nice. Had a nice, nice lunch on the front. Not exceptional. Not exceptional, but okay. In a place that juts out, it's a bit sort of Art Deco-ish. And you know where it's, it's... It's the only one... It's sort of quite near the pier. And it's very pretty. And we sat outside, and it, it was lovely. Unfortunately, we got blown to pieces. We moved around the side, and then the wind subsided. But, I mean, apart from that, it was absolutely wonderful. Uh, the album from uh, Steps... Was it called Steps Greatest Hits? And 11 other badly mimed covers. Steve? <laughs> You'll never hear them singing it, will you? You will never hear them singing live. I'd love to hear it. Uh, Thoroughly recommend uh, Backbeat, the musical, Duke York Theatre, about the early life of the Beatles. And particularly Stuart Sutcliffe saw a preview on Saturday. Great acting, great songs, says Laura in... Is it Gillingham or Gillingham? Because I heard somebody pronounce it Gillingham. There is a... Oh, there's a Gillingham and a Gilliam. Ah... Oh, right. Gillingham's in Kent and Gillingham's in Surrey. Ah, well, that's you told me something I never knew. And frankly, you know, frankly, you know, you learn something new every day. And I didn't think it was possible to learn things at the ripe old age that I am now. Steve, please say hello to my mum, Pat Hudson. Whenever we get into a discussion, she says, well, Steve Allen says, and to be honest, I'm sick and tired of her taking your word as gospel. However, you seem to have a good point on most things. That, I'm afraid, I can't deny. But if I hear Steve Allen says again... I may just punch myself, says Stephen Barnett. Oh, don't worry, I can send somebody around to do it for you. We have no, we have people who do things like that. I know people, as they say. I know people. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Murphy's in Bury in Lancashire. Says, um, I just want to say I love your two-hour spot in the morning. I know, and you can podcast. I do write, remind people about the podcasting. I try and remind you to podcast as much as you can. And, um, you know, because it's, it's there for those odd days where there's nothing 
nothing on the television, nothing on the radio, and you think, I'm going on a holiday, I'm going on a flight, I'll take a podcast. And you can podcast everything. You can podcast me, the special podcast, the in-conversations. You can podcast them. You can listen to them again and again and again and again. And you can keep them forever. They don't disappear. Once you've paid your £2 for a month, you can, you can start downloading almost immediately. And you can keep these things. And what we've done is we've taken out all the odd bits. You know, the bits like the news, so you can listen to them any time. And I'll tell you what's on the LBC website at the moment. As LBC celebrates birthday number 38 of which I've done 34 of them, <laughs> Hardly, hard to believe, um, there is a lot of pictures, mainly courtesy of Dawn, who's got more photographs of presenters. And, in fact, some of them don't have names on. So if you don't know the net, one of them's got Angie Gray, but it's Angie Bray, who's been a guest on LBC recently, of course. And so if there's anybody you don't know, just let me know. If you go to lbc.co.uk, there's a list of all the presenters. I think there's about four of me, which you, you might have seen before. But there's lots of other people up there. I could run through them for you later. And then you'll be going, so picture number 37, Steve, who is that? And I can say that's so-and-so because I worked with all of them. Every single person on that board, I think, without it. James O'Brien looks terribly young in his picture. Almost attractive, some might say, if you've had a few drinks. And, um, no, he is. It's, it's a complete... We had these, these cards done, these photo cards. And uh, I thought they were the best pictures. They were all black and white, because apparently most of us photograph better in black and white. Although there are some, some coloured ones of my good self. The rest of them are in sepia, I'm afraid. But, but still amusing. Still très amusément. So if you go to LBC... Yes, I mean, my, I, I thought actually mine would have been a pastel or a colouring in. You know, they didn't have... Cam- when I started, there were no cameras. No cameras. In fact, we didn't even have microphones. What I had to do is I had to open the window and shout the programme outside. And then we moved on to two tobacco tins and a piece of string. And the rest is... I remember talking to my very good friend, Marconi, at the time. And I remember saying to him, is it possible to get something that we can speak into? And it will... It will and I never understood how it works. In a minute. If I live to be 47, I'm telling you, I will never understand how radio works. You speak into this thing, it goes up onto the roof here, and somewhere there's... An, and it sends... And it's, there must be so much stuff up there that's all getting all jumbled around and all the words are all... Mi- and then when it gets to the other end, your radio, it puts it all into the right order. Otherwise, it would all sound like... It would sound a bit like that, and then it deciphers it. So radios are really clever. I still don't understand how they work. I still don't understand how they work. Lots of pictures of Paul McCartney in the sun today. He's still going. Everybody's smiling at the new bride, which is, uh, which is lovely. And uh, the world's oldest working car, 1884, 127 years old. Still going, and it's just sold for just under three million... Three million, which is fantastic. And Sally Burton. Sally Burton was married to Richard Burton, and she's finally had enough. She's finally gone. She snapped. Because she's sick to death of everybody talking about, you know, Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor as the greatest love affair of the century. She said they married twice. It was not a success. They couldn't live with each other, couldn't live without each other. It was one of those peculiar things. And she said, I get really, which is a rude word, fed up, with all this talk of the great love. Yes, they were in love, but they divorced twice. That means their marriage didn't work. Interesting, though, isn't it? I mean, he was apparently drunk as a skunk most of the time, and that's where the arguments came. Some people are bad drunks, and they argue, and he was a bad drunk. And so, consequently, they argued all the time. Nice little blouse. It's OK. You're welcome. Um, Steve, says Connie, if you ask me, this marriage of Paul McCartney to his new life will last forever. It will, it will definitely. I mean, he's, he's getting on a bit now. He's not going to do it three times, is he? I hope not, anyway. Um, 
Lenny says, tell your friend to order it on the internet. I got fed up with a lack of staff in shops. Now I order all my makeup that way. It's t- but you expect to go in there. I mean, you do sometimes. When I went to the Bentall Centre on Saturday, because I went there as well, the girls on the counter, if they get in there at nine o'clock on the makeup counter, they spend most of their time making each other up. Have you noticed that? They're all there, especially on the Mac counter. <laughs> and then if you feel like saying, sorry to bother you, but you know, if you, if you do have a minute for a customer, you know, I get quite angry about servicing shops. And I know because I used to work in retail. So uh, don't ever tell me that you get difficult customers because I'm well aware of what difficult customers are. I did watch The X Factor. I'm none the wiser. We, we, we've, we've kicked out John Joe Kerr and James Michael. And we've also kicked out the Essex girls, Two Shoes. Thank God for that. Two Shoes and Two Tantessio Shays, I think they were. But we've actually kept in a few other people, including that bloke, uh, Frankie Cocosa. He can't sing for toffee. He's got really, really awful hair. He's a fat-faced little thing. No talent at all. Sam Brooks is on there. The Risk. New Vibe. Uh, who was the other one people were talking to me about? Somebody was talking about somebody. They said somebody's on there and they can't sing. They sang a dreadful... It's, oh, is it Kitty Brooknell? Uh, Kitty Brooknell, who sang Who Wants to Live Forever. What a ghastly woman! What the dickens is she doing there? And the answer is, it's a silly competition. It's a competition. You know, she hasn't got any talent at all. I mean, she was like something out of Ghostbusters. She's ghastly. You know, so they, they keep her in, and they've kept Johnny Robinson in, the 45-year-old, strange old man, who, who, who sang Believe. I mean, rubbish. Absolute rubbish. And that's the best that they could manage. As a friend of mine said, after watching The X Factor with all the people in it, there's only about three people can sing. The rest of them are just there because they're stupids. And we laugh at them. So next week, can we please get rid of very silly Jolly Robinson and Kitty Brucknell? A waste of space, if ever there was one. I'm sorry, love, but you have no talent or no business being anywhere near a television. Unless you can act as a better aerial for BBC Two. Quarter to six. These are the headlines. The Prime Minister will today receive a report on the dealings between the Defence Secretary and his close friend, Adam Werity. Last night, Liam Fox apologised about the relationship, saying he'd blurred the line between his personal and professional lives. Boris Johnson's Team London is expected to attract an unprecedented number of 60,000 volunteers. The Mayor's delivered over half a million pounds worth of grants to more than 60 small communities across the capital which rely on them. And thousands of lecturers from universities across the country have begun industrial action in a long-running dispute over pensions. Members of the University and College Union are warning the action could escalate into strikes if the row is not resolved. Check on the roads for you this morning. Get you there in one piece. Well, just about. Andy McCall. Thank you, Steve. Uh, the uh, situation at New Elton is... Just... Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. Welcome along to the uh, early breakfast show. It's all going to kick off for Liam Fox later, isn't it? What an exciting day for him. What an exciting day for him. Over in the X Factor, of course, the judges who we thought were going to be big, butch and tough turned out to be uh, not a bit of it. In fact, uh, Jim Shelley says, until now, I thought Tulisa, Kelly and Gary Barlow had given the show a refreshing injection of energy, but they weren't nearly critical enough. Barlow claimed James totally reinvented Ticket to Ride, presumably by changing it from a song that was in tune to one that wasn't. Which, of course, is... I mean, some of them were really dreadful. These people cannot sing, and that's why they... Oh, no, I knew there was something I was going to mention to you. Anybody listening get the 101 million on the lottery? Somebody... You? Yeah. OK. Happy yeah. birthday to you, birthday to you. It's yeah. great, isn't it? Yeah. I could see that look of happiness spread over your face. Me. It's not going to change it. You will still be the same yeah. bitter, twisted person that I've made you into. <laughs> I see no reason why 101 million should change. But three people phoned me and said, is it you? I said, why on earth would you think it would be me? 101 million? 
101 million. So far, they have opted for no publicity, which makes me think that Camelot are sorting them out and trying to convince them to go for publicity. And they did a feature in one of the Sunday papers in one of the colour supplements on what people do who win. And the idea is you should really go away on a holiday and think about what you want to do with it. You know, if, if you've only won two and a half million, you'd the, you'll, you'll do the same as everybody else does. You'll buy a house, unless you're very happy where you're living, and you'll probably buy a car, you'll give some money to the kids, you'll have a holiday and that'll be it. If you win something as life-changing as £101 million, and thank goodness it went to a Brit, oh, you've never seen anybody as happy as me. I couldn't care less whether it was me or not. I wasn't remotely interested, even though I had to then write to various people saying, I'm terribly sorry, that amount of money I was going to give you in cheque form, can you rip the cheque up while I can hear it on the phone? Because I had to sort of promise... I was, I was a bit confident this weekend. I thought, if I, if I don't think about it too often, then maybe it might appear. <laughs> of course, it didn't. And then they said, somebody's claimed it. Now, they've done that before with Camelot, and then it turns out that even though they, they've said somebody's claimed it, they, they turn out to be a hoax. But this one appears to be genuine. So I reckon by the end of this week, you will know who has won 101 million. But you're going to be so happy for them, aren't you? Not really, no. Nobody is. <laughs> Nobody is when somebody else wins. I don't care. Makes no difference to me. As long as it brings them happiness. Or in the case of Mikey Carroll, sheer utter misery. I'm very happy with things like that. Um, they've, uh, oh dear, I've... Going back to The Only Way is Essex, very briefly, Joey Essex, a, a more camp man you'd be hard-pushed to find, yesterday wearing a little red beret with little cut-down jeans on. I mean, it's a very gay look for a supposedly heterosexual man, very strange. But um, he, he's thinking of moving into his own flat. He'll never cope. He had no idea you have to pay for electricity. I mean, he really is the world's stupidest man. I don't think he actually has a job because he's, he's too stupid. He's an embarrassment to everybody. What was that? <laughs> clean it with the cups. Oh, right. Like got, oh, what were the... There's loads of bottles. It sounded like loads of bottles were taking out of the studio. It like, honestly wasn't me. No, I promise you, we haven't had a drink at all this morning. We really, we've spilt most of it. Spilt most of it. So, um, so that's why. I don't mind anybody winning the 101 million. I'm very happy for whoever's won it. As long as they do their bit and give a bit to charity. It doesn't matter how much you give to charity. Just give a bit to charity. Because that's what... You know, it wasn't your money to start with. They've got Gary Barlow's diet in the paper today, because if you think about it, it was only a short while ago that Gary Barlow was, uh, was enormous. I mean, he really was quite big and, uh, and almost unrecognisable. But now people say Gary Barlow's hot. He really has to work at it, though. He has to work at it because in 2004 he was enormous. He was fat and bloated. Now, 2011... Uh, he does everything. Uh, and they tell you how, how to actually give yourself the X factor. Now, of course, I don't think this ever works. It makes no difference. It's only because of the way he looks that means that um, that he's... It's, it's the way he looks. You, you can't achieve that look. You can put on, you know, a suit, but you're not going to achieve that look, I'm afraid, because it only looks good on him. They say here, how to get Gary's hair. Which is a bit strange. It says, your first trip should be to a good hairdresser. Gary's had some hair raises over the years, highlights, spikes, comb-overs. He's finally cracked it with this style. His short back and sides is slightly longer on top with a sweep to one side and no grey hair. So, in other words, just go to any hairdresser and just, just tell them to do that and they'll do it. Number three at the side, two on the top. OK, and just, just blend it in. Thank you very much indeed. How, how, how do you get designer stubble? Well, in my Auntie Enid's case, just don't actually shave. Yeah, she says, to be brutally honest, it's the sexy stubble that's transformed Gary from rough to rugged. But it's a, an orchestrated look. So, in other words, because most of these people are wearing makeup, 
all the time. You sit on the television, you're wearing makeup. That's that's why these people look that good. But the time you've got a good makeup artist sitting there taking out all the little spots, all the little imperfections, and then covering, you look perfect. You look absolutely perfect, and that's why. And that's why when people sometimes see you... I remember Pam Ayres said to me once, she said she was walking down the street and someone said, ''Are you Pam Ayres?'' And she went, ''I am.'' And they went, ''They do you up for the television, don't they?'' <laughs> and she said she was so shocked that somebody would say that. But, of course, it's, it's true. They do do you up for the television. And that's why when you see people on television who are really unattractive, for that read, most of the cast is the only way is Essex, you realise that in real life they're going to look even more desperately unattractive. Because that's the best they can ever look. That is that look. They all look like they're failed page three models, except Gemma, who looks like she's about three failed page three models. Harry, the very camp little thing, who, frankly, appears to have no friends whatsoever. Mark Wright who has no friends whatsoever, and the girls who just bitch. It's quite exciting, really, but unfortunately you, the audience, are switching off, which is probably not such good news, I'm afraid. Not such good news. Um, having told you that we're going to swelter this week, the Daily Express, always want to buck the trend, tell you now we're going to suffer a mini ice age. So expect to see woolly mammoths emerging from, from the London underground and stuff like that. I don't believe They say the return of the cold weather that hit 300 years ago. Of course, the Daily Express would remember 300 years ago. Uh, they've said for this week it's fine. However, the end of the month and November looking colder. With, well, we had, that, we had snow last year in the end of November. There's nothing new they're telling you here. They've obviously run out of stories on the Express. They can't think of anything, especially when they lie and tell you that uh, Melinda Messenger, telly babe, telly not working babe, only working Channel 5, I'm afraid, Melinda Messenger, because not very... She, she's a little bit smiley, smiley, Carol smiley, a little bit Anthea Turner, a little bit... Plastic, a little bit fake, a little bit not genuine, a little bit... Even Eamon Holmes would have been more preferable. But anyway, she stumbled through it. Luckily, it only lasted for a few seconds. And apparently they had two scooping the uh, health lottery pots. So two winners of £100,000 each. That was good. Richard Desmond, richer by millions, I should imagine, at the end of the day. But there is some money going, uh, not a huge amount, to National Health Service causes. He's only giving 20 pence in the pound, whereas the main lottery gives... I think, 28 pence. So there's quite a bit of difference, depending on whether you want to sort of go for another lottery winner. Neither of the people who won wanted publicity. Funny that, isn't it? I was so hoping they'd be wanting publicity because they've given money to good causes. But he sort of narrowed it down. Uh, one woman lives with her family, and luckily she's got somebody in the family who could benefit from money going to the National Health Service. And the other one is a full-time mother from uh, near Bangor in North Wales. There's always somebody from Welsh Wales, isn't there? Have you noticed that? Every time somebody wins on the lottery, where are you from? Wales. Can't believe it. It's unbelievable. Must be the luckiest place in the entire universe. Let's all move to Wales, shall we? Because that's obviously where they buy their winning tickets, which is all good news. Uh, various toys have been banned by the EU... And so it's going to be a dull Christmas this year, as usual. Probably not just yet, but in about a few weeks' time. They're going to start talking about what are going to be the Christmas toys. And and it's never the toy that is the big Christmas toy. It isn't. I mean, we, we've had all sorts of things over the years, and it's never been the Christmas toy. Michael Jackson concert did very well over at uh, Cardiff's Millennium Stadium. And uh, that was good. Michael Jackson's children turned up which was good. But while Jackson's brothers, Tito, Marlon and Jackie, performed at the event, Jermaine and Randy branded the concert inappropriate as it was held during the criminal trial of Conrad Murray. But then his children turned up. You don't get a bigger endorsement, I'm afraid. With all due respect to the Jackson family, Michael didn't really have very much to do with, with the family. He lived for the kids, and the kids turned up to it. And I'm sure that if the mother 
didn't approve of the concert, then she'd have said, you're not going, kids. But they all turned up, and they gave a speech. So you had um, Latoya Jackson, mad as a barrel load of frogs, absolutely barking mad. Uh, Blanket Jackson. I mean, you have to ask yourself, don't you? <laughs> Only in America. Prince Michael, Paris Jackson, and other people as well. And uh, they were wearing sort of Michael Jackson-type type clothes. Which is good. But if they went there, that's the only endorsement you need. You don't need any other endorsement, I'm afraid, on the, uh, the television. Uh, other stories in the paper. Are we a polite society? I only ask because uh, people have said over the years that we've all got very rude. But I don't think we have. We still say please and thank you. I, I do sometimes get people in shops that they do something uh, or they'll say £22 or whatever it happens to be. And I always go, thank you. As if to emphasise. If, if you say please, they look at you because they don't quite understand irony. So I always say, thank you, you know, just to make them feel really, really bad. So we'll, we'll look at that a little bit um, more after the news. Because you might think differently. You might think that we're all terribly rude nowadays. People, you know, push in, they barge. The one thing I hate is spitting. Cyclists spitting the other day drives me mad. And a woman on the pavement, and I'm afraid I used a very rude word. Very. I was coming out of Twickenham Station last week, and this woman on a cycle, young woman, cycling, you know, ringing her bell. And I shouted an obscenity. Get off your bike, I said, and push it. Get off the pavement. And then I said that rude word. I'm, and I'm, I've, I've remonstrated with myself numerous times now. But frankly, if I see another cyclist on the pavement, I'm going to get a walking stick out and jam it between their spokes because they're not supposed to be there and you stand up for yourselves don't be pushed around by these stupid people who jump lights they've got their silly go faster helmet their little flashing light on the front and their ding ding bell not on my pavement let me tell you on fm online and digital radio morning everybody nice to be company monday morning traditionally one of your worst days of the week because you're going we've had such a nice weekend don't really want to go to work today. There will be people lying there, thinking of excuses. Wait a minute, I'll phone up the boss and I'll go, <coughs> hello? I mean, I'm not saying Anthony Davis did that last night, but he has lost his voice. He did lose his voice last night. And so um, that's why you've got Nick Abbott wondering, you know, we got Nick Abbott because Anthony lost his, his voice, which, of course, in this business is absolutely fatal. It's, it's only ever happened to me once. No, I tell you what, it's happened probably twice. One time... When I actually, and it just started going, I thought, oh, it's like, and then all of a sudden it went. And there's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing you can do about it at all. Um, the one thing that we're, we're talking about today is politeness, because people are still saying we are a polite country, and yet other people will, will tell you that it's six of one and half a dozen of the other. You can bump into people who are extraordinarily polite. Please, thank you, may I, excuse me? No, you go first. All that kind of thing. And then you get other people who just push in and they're rude and they're offensive. And, and you think to yourself, well, that's not very nice, is it? That's not a very, very nice person. So they, they've done this new survey where they're, they're talking about politeness and how some of us are polite. I mean, we all try, don't we, to be polite in our, in our day to day. Hello, good morning. Because if you're nice to somebody, they'll be nice to you back. You always, you always get what, what you sort of give out. You can always receive that. So if you go there and you smile at somebody, go, hello, by the very fact that you've smiled at them means that they're going to smile back, unless they really have got one of those miserable-looking faces. You know, and you think nothing that we could ever do would, would cheer your day up. So do you think we are polite? I wonder whether or not you do. I mean, do you encounter a lot of rudeness? I know that, you know, you do get people... I mean, I was... I, yeah, I mean, I've, I've had sort of good and bad. 
You know, you can go into some shops and some people are very nice and they chat away. And other times you think you really couldn't care less whether I'm here or not. It's not your shop. Why, why should you worry about it? You go into pubs. The landlords generally are very good to you because they want your business. So you'll all and you're buying alcohol in shops. It tends to be very much hit and miss. Uh, and so you'll, you'll go out and somebody will be very good. They, they, they've started saying in Starbucks, have a nice day. Which, of course, doesn't quite sound right, because the Americans can do it, and they can make it sound sincere. When somebody's doing it here, it, it just isn't right. They were always taught in TGI Fridays, don't stand over the table when you're serving people. Kneel down so you're roughly on the same level. And so that way, you know, people don't feel intimidated. And, and I've found that always works. I've found that always works to somebody. You know, hello, how are you? Are you all right? And we do say that, don't we? How are you? We, we don't really mean I'm interested in your health. We just say it as, as a standard say, hello, how are you? I always go, are you medically qualified? Because then I can go through my illness, you know, and I can actually discuss. And of course, you can tell after about 10 minutes. Yeah, if you answer them truthfully, people go, I'm really busy, Steve, at the moment. I go, oh, I thought you wanted to know. I thought you were inquiring about my well-being. You know, when you go, how are you? I'm, I'm, I'm telling you. She hates it next door. She rings the credit card company. And they say, how are you today? There's a girl who does it, I'll only say this now, in Marks and Spencers. And I've tried to get round it, and I cannot get round it at all. Because she's obviously been taught to say, hello, how are you? Then she follows it up with, how's your day going? And it's a, it becomes a little bit... So I exactly, you feel like saying, I'm not going to tell you, because I don't know you. Um, and it's like the, the chuggers who jump in front of you in the street. Hello. You know, the ones who walk backwards and talk at the same time. Two amazing things. I find it unbelievable. And, of course, I immediately, I pick up my phone and pretend I'm on the phone, like everybody else does. Don't stand there and talk to them unless you're very lonely and you need to talk to somebody on the street wearing a fluorescent jacket with Save the World's Gay Penguins written on the back or something like that. All you have to do is just go, busy, thank you. You know, and they go, hello, have you got two minutes? No, I haven't. Hello. You know, like to be friends with Jesus. Not at this precise moment, no. Just going for something to eat. But they, you're confronted by that every day. So I think sometimes we are very polite. Sometimes we're over-polite. But when we do this, have a nice day. We don't mean have a nice day. What we, what, what we mean is, I'm really bored with doing this job, and they've told me to say that, but I can't say it with any sincerity, because I couldn't care less how your day goes. You're not going to help my life. I've just had a bill in. The cat's just been run over. You know, I've lost my job, and the bed's collapsed, and I need a new mattress. And, you're asking, and I have to say to you, have a nice day. I don't think so, because we all have bad things, don't we? Talking of bad things, I get really angry with people who dress dogs up. I really, I'm not a big fan, and... You remember the story last week that appeared in all the newspapers about all the little handbag dogs, the little chihuahuas, the little tiny, tiny... My stomach's going great guns this morning. Uh, great guns about the, uh, the little tiny dogs that are now being handed into animal shelters because these, these dogs don't walk. And I've said before, it's a dog. Put it on the ground, let it walk. What many of them do is just stubbornly refuse to go anywhere. They just, they just stand there immobile till you pick them up and put them in these little handbag things. And it's really bad for them. So the, these dogs have behavioural problems. Then we had that stupid woman in the paper a short while ago who was dyeing dogs different colours. Blue, red, green. I mean, animal cruelty of the worst kind. And yet the RSPCA? Stum. Not a peanut. Go away on holiday. Leave the goldfish in the bowl. They're round straight away if there's a film crew there. Now, the latest thing is now. It's uh, from a US wig maker. Dog wigs. Dog wigs. I mean, this woman needs locking up. Locking up. Ruth's Florida-based company, Wiggles Dog Wigs, can have their hounds dressed up to look like Sarah Palin, Madonna or Elvis. 
I mean, to be honest with you, it, it, it's, it's nothing short of animal cruelty. It's like people who put sunglasses on their dogs. What do you think the dog is looking at the other side? I find it absolutely appalling. And apparently she's now got a booming business. 35 quid they are. There'll be people listening now thinking, what a funny idea. Let's dress the dog up. It'll be very funny. I tell you what, why don't we dress you up as well? 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. In the light of the other thing I was talking about, do you think we are a polite society? Do you think we are? We are, generally speaking, polite? Are we sort of the sort of people, you know, that you wouldn't mind moving in next door to you? Are we, are we that good? 84850 or LBC 973. I'd love to find out whether or not you think we are polite. I think, generally speaking, we're OK. I think sometimes we all have off days. Some days we have days where, you know, you just can't be bothered to be polite. And somebody says, how are you? And you go, I'm all right. Whatever. You know, I really don't feel in the mood of having a full-blown conversation. I'll do my best, but I'm not promising anything. 84850, LBC 973. And uh, can you publicise, Steve? Says Andy, Monday, 10th of October. Oh, it'll be today. It's uh, close-up table magic with Magic Circle Magicians in aid of the Motor Neuron Disease Charity at the Cricketers Pub in Woodford Green. And uh, they've got all sorts of, you know, ales. It comes under the woodfordfestival.org.uk. So I'll give that out and people can get further details there. www.woodfordfestival.org.uk. It's a fiver. And they've got basket supper, takings and collection in aid of motor neurons disease. So the Cricketers Pub, High Street, Woodford Green. So good luck to them and all the magicians who are going to be performing, which is good news. Quarter past six. News headlines, Sam Pittis. Good morning, Steve. Two people have been arrested. Steve Allen. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Nick Ferrari from Seven. And we're looking at the day's top stories, joining him to look through the papers, former Home Secretary Charles Clark. Nick will be asking his opinion on the morning's discussion on political scandal and why British politicians find it so hard to avoid it. Nick will be speaking to, of course, Boris Johnson about his latest voluntary scheme for London. And towards the end of the show, Nick will be wanting to hear your thoughts on the EU. Which areas should we be trying to opt out of? All of that and more with Nick Ferrari just after the news at 7 o'clock this morning. I don't know if you've ever heard about um, the Motability Scheme. This is where people get cars. I was never too sure, actually, what people qualified for free cars. But Ian Duncan Smith has now ordered a crackdown on thousands of families with youngsters diagnosed with naughty child syndrome who get, wait for it, brand new cars paid for by the state. What a fiddle this one is. The Work and Pensions Secretary has been shocked to learn that the families of more than... 3,000 people suffering attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, ADHD, are believed to have been given vehicles under the £1.5 billion a year motability scheme. Mr Duncan Smith is determined to stop what he regards as abuse of free cars for the disabled as part of his campaign to curb the UK's annual benefits bill, which currently tops £192 million. The number of people with cars paid for by the government-funded motability scheme has soared to 575,000. They, 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 they want to crack down. To be honest with you, what difference does it make whether you've got naughty children? Why should you get a free car? Why should you get a free car? Apparently, uh, this motability scheme tells claimants how to upgrade to luxury BMWs and Audis. Oh, God, what a fiddle this is. Gives vehicles to 575,000 people. That's up 200,000. And lack of checks, of course, has led to widespread abuse. People years ago used to get these little blue three-wheelers. Do you remember those things poopling about all over the place? Not now. Now you get Audis and £35,000 BMWs. I find it absolutely unbelievable. So what this is here, a claimant whose child has been diagnosed with ADHD 
can, can download a claim form, which they either post or submit online. They must set out the reasons why they should receive disability living allowance, for instance, because they've got trouble dressing themselves or using the lavatory. Nobody ever checks. You just write this down. This shows how easy it is to fiddle. It's like getting benefits. You know, you just need somebody in the benefit office to sort of fiddle your form through. They explain why they qualify for the mobility element. And, uh, you know, that would mean physical problems when walking out of doors and needing somebody with them when out of doors. Now, we've seen people who've been done for this before because nobody ever checks. They say here, you may need help to cross the road. I don't want these people to be driving cars. My God, if they can't cross the road, what hope? More than half the claims were approved without any further checks. Once accepted, the claimant completes an online application at a car showroom and then they, they provide a car for you for free and then tell you how to upgrade it. I suggest Mr Duncan Smith cracks down on this one straight away. Why should a parent of a naughty child be given a BMW or an Audi? But the idea that nobody checks. There was a woman a short while ago. She was done by... I can't remember which council it was in London. It was one of the London boroughs. And she'd, um, she'd been claiming for ages, saying she couldn't actually go out the house. And it was terrible. And uh, every time somebody went round there to see her, she was sort of in with dark glasses on. Turns out she was running a cafe in the local park, sponsored by the council, who were paying her the benefits because she couldn't go anywhere. She was pretending she was this person and that person. It took them years to get her into court. It took them years. But you do see people, don't you? I mean, I was sitting, you know, at traffic lights the other day, and somebody just drove straight over red traffic lights. There's no policeman anywhere. Because the government have cut back on the policemen, so it's become quite lawless. It's also going to be terrible at Christmas. I mentioned the fact that Killjoys, the Eurocrats, are going to clamp down on toys. What sort of toys? They're banning... They want to ban children's party blowers, small toys and some sweets. Magnetic fishing games, whistles and even candy lipsticks could go. Why? Because children might swallow them. Probably the children of Eurocrats are that stupid. You can imagine if your mum and dad are that thick, the child is going to be as daft as you anyway. Swallow a whistle... Swallow a magnetic fishing and sweets. I thought sweets were meant to be swallowed. Perhaps I've got the wrong end of the stick here. They say children could choke on them. My God, we've become a mamby-pamby country, haven't we? Mamby-pamby. Um, is, is it possible to... You know, we, we've had people before... Uh, you can't buy the, those mince pies. Why? There's alcohol in them. Can you prove that you're over 18? And you really want to drag them over the counter, don't you? You know, I'm not sure... Um, sorry, I'm, I can't sell you those uh, Christmas crackers. Why? Because they've got an explosive device inside there. Right. I tell you what, I'm going to explode all of them in here, in the shop now, just to prove that they, they really are reasonably safe, unless you're particularly stupid. Thank you to Val in Morpeth for telling me about uh, UrbanDecay.com. Thank you very much indeed. I knew somebody would come up with it. I just had to coax you. And um, you can get it online, says Colin from House of Fraser. Not here, you can't get this, this colour. I think it's a colour only available in, in America. So there you go. Thank you for that one, very much indeed. 84850, steve at uh, I listened to Roger Foss, says Paul, about Rock of Ages. Rated it very high the other week. Went to see it Saturday. Although it was good, it was one of those shows that lacked something. Oh, because I love the soundtrack. I'm, I'm listening, I'm singing along in the car. In fact, I'm going through a very strange phase at the moment. One minute I've got Rock of Ages, the next minute I've got Rolf Harris's Greatest Hits. And I'm singing along to, well, the ladies of the harem of the court of King Correcticus were just passing by altogether now. That, and so I'm happily singing along. And he's got another song about six white horses pulling Santa's sleigh. And I can't I think they call, what are they, boomers. Six white boomers, so white boomers. I happily sing along in the car. People sitting next to me in the car, they look at me, they must think I'm mad as a brush. 
I'm happily... I have to pretend I'm on the phone. Yeah, no, no, no. And then the moment they've gone past, I carry on singing my song. Uh, 84850, David of Streatham, fab in conversation last night with John Barrowman. Sounded like you really enjoyed it. We enjoy every one of our in-conversation. We've never had an in-conversation that we don't like, you know. We've had... Uh, we, they're very good, but you must download them all. You really must. Uh, started off watching The X Factor, says Paul in Manchester, and as I tweeted to Dawn last night, after 20 minutes, I gave up. And won't be tuning in again. The main reason is they truly must be making up as they go along. Nobody knows what's going on, and that's just the panel. Quite right about Jason. The way the paper went on, you thought that nobody was allowed to dance before they set foot on the show. That would mean half the celebs over several series wouldn't get a look in. And this is the fact that the Mirror uh, called Jason a cha-cha cheat, Jason Donovan, because he'd dared to actually go and get some extra tuition to learn to do the cha-cha-cha. You know, if you're in a competition, surely the idea, unless if you work for the Mirror, who really have not replaced, I'm afraid, the uh, news of the world, um, you want to be the best, don't you? And so, to be, you know, better than other people, you go and get some extra tuition. Good for him. Good for him. Not a cha-cha-cheat at all, I'm afraid. Must admit, I'm looking forward to Michael Barrymore, if only for the appearance of Morris... Leonard, camper than 40 acres of tents. They should certainly give the others a run for their money. God, how many gays are on that programme now? It's almost like Strictly Come Dancing is... I mean, by the time you've got Russell Grant not just mincing around the dance floor, but even Bruce Forsyth going, you really are a dancing queen, which I thought was sort of borderline a little bit homophobia, but there you go. And R.I.P. to George Baker, who'll be remembered for Wexford because he died the other day. And uh, Diane Salento, sadly best known as Sean Connery's ex, but a very good actress... And uh, she was uh, in, a, in a film, The Angel Who Pawned Her Harp, with Jerry Desmond and Felix Aylmer. The Angel Who Pawned Her Harp. I like the sound of that. And he says, Steps making an announcement today. That wouldn't be that H is gay. Oh, no, he said we've had that one already. Yes, that's true, actually, because H sort of set up home with, with the manager of Steps. It was all a little bit... The whole thing is... But they're going to be announcing probably a tour today. Although, are there any Steps fans left? You know, are you... Are you re- tragedy? Tragedy. In fact, the fact they're getting back together, I think, is the big tragedy. And Brian and Noreen hope they had a good night at the do on Saturday. Well, I should imagine they do. Has Brian started the diet yet? Probably. Probably. Uh, on politeness, says uh, Michael, I think we're getting worse I hate the indifference shown by store staff, especially on Saturdays, when the majority seem to think they're doing you a favour by serving you. Well, if, if it's the women on the makeup counter, you get them away from the makeup, you know, to actually serve you. I mean, I, I, I quite like the girls on the. Um, oh, I'm trying to think what the makeup counter is in, in Debenhams I've been to. Clarins. Because they do some. Because they're quite nice, Clarins. Next time I'm there, yeah, just pick up a few little. They always offer me free gifts, and I always go, really, I don't want any more free gifts. I always turn them down because you end up with. Yeah, but they're for men. They're not girly free gifts. They're men free gifts. Unless you've started growing stubble next door, Amanda. I don't think you're going to be having it. But she says, um, he says here, sorry, I always try and be polite myself. Opening doors for people who just walk past you without even acknowledging your presence. I always shout after them. My pleasure, but irony seems lost. Give my wife Maura a shout. There you go. Her favourite boy was voted off the X Factor last night. Oh, dear. Was that the one who cried? Probably. 84850, steve at Lots of stories about the Amish in the papers today. There's been a bit of, um, a little bit of a, a do going on with an Amish community. And a few breakaway groups, splinter groups, dare I say, have uh, started targeting homes and forcibly cutting off the sacred hair and beards of fellow believers. Because the Amish live in this 
world without electricity. They shunned modern life. It's a bit like a theme park, but going back 400 years. And people go down there and watch the way they live. Uh, when, when they die, they don't have... Cro- they just bury them in a simple box. No name, no nothing. Just go there. But between the ages of 16 and 18, they're allowed to go completely berserk. So they get drunk, they sleep around, they do everything. And then at 18, you get married and that's it for the rest of your life. And uh, I quite like the idea. They've made some films. I think Harrison Ford starred in a film about the Amish. And, and they really do exist. They like this way of life. They do everything. They have dolls for the children, but with no faces. So that they cannot be craven images. They, they adhere to the Bible, you know, as much as anybody can in this day and age. Including Daniela Westbrook, who's had half of it tattooed on her arm this week because she's born again. I don't know, there's no end that that girl will go to to get attention. It's LBC 97.3, time now 6.30. 25 to 7 is uh, the time. I see that Take That's latest split may, split may have been amicable, but two members are fighting over a penthouse. Jason Orange and Robbie Williams have expressed an interest in the same property in central St Giles off Hoban in central London. It's a penthouse flat on the 11th floor, which doesn't sound very tall to me, uh, it comes with a huge roof terrace, and it's on offer at £5.5 million. Good grief. How much money did they make from that tour? I wouldn't have thought Jason Orange could have afforded £5.5 million, but I suppose with the, with the sales, I suppose they must have accumulated. And Robbie, again, I think they just send somebody out. He didn't go and look at it. His, uh, his manager, Tim Clark, went and had a look at the thing. So you're never too sure if it's just true or they're trying to drum up interest in a flat that, uh, that costs £5.5 million. Everybody else is going, well, if they're going to look at it, I want to look at it. But I'm telling you, no, no pop star of that age that I've ever seen has had the faintest idea how to decorate a place at all. They've got very sort of minimalist kind of sort of chic kind of stuff. It's a little bit worrying. Anyway, let's find out where to go this week. I'm going to have a review of the, uh, of the iPhone as well. And, uh, and that's Darren. Good morning. Morning to you. Morning. Where are we off to today? Well, this is an exhibition I think you might be going to. It's at the Museum of Childhood in uh, Bethnal Green. It opened at the weekend. It's called Magic Worlds. Magic and it's Worlds. Your chance. Magic Worlds. It's your chance to delve into the realms of fantasy, illusion and enchantment within Ooh. a major new exhibition. And it's divided into various sections, as you just heard, and I think the bit you'll be interested in is illusion. Mm-hmm. And this is the world where you cannot believe your eyes, and there's um, all sorts of illusions on display. The look at scientific principles that make things work, and of course, a whole section on magic and magicians and how they used to trick people in the streets of India, all those allusions back to England during the 19th century, and looks at stuff like TV magic, Darren Brown, so on and so forth. So it's going to be a big exhibition. It started at the weekend, runs through to the 4th of March. Mm. Nice. Uh, the museum. While you're there, there's also another uh, exhibition called The Stuff of Night- Nightmares, the history of the Steve Allen show. <laughs> No, it's actually the history of fairy tales, particularly the Brother Grimm's in, uh, and the Wundervogel uh, stories as well. Oh, so uh, well. I the Brothers Grimm. That, you? And they were. Brothers Grimm. Sorry? And they were. And they were. Wow, <laughs> I love all those um, children's stories. I don't think I've read them for ages. It's not, it's not the coming. Paddington Bear stories, of course. He's a bit racy pacey. <laughs> and of course, guess what's, guess what's opening over the road here at the Garrick Theatre? I know already. Sooty. I've booked my, I've booked my ticket. Sooty is the Christmas show for the, the Garrick Theatre. Whoa, big up Sooty. Big up I Sooty. I can't wait to hear Sweep in conversation. Yes. Well, I'm thinking of Sweep we should apply for. 
which should be Both very funny. for an hour, that would be good. <laughs> Suchy and sweep for an hour is in conversation, can you imagine? <laughs> that would uh-huh. be very funny, very funny. I daren't invite them in because sweep is prone to sticking water pistols all over the place and with all this electrical I stuff in it. I think for an hour will be fantastic. Yes, I think so too, because he doesn't say anything, yeah. does he? It? it could just be me again. No, no. Me, me, yeah, me. Be you, you, you. <laughs> Lovely. Yeah. So, okay, what else? Um, another exhibition which I think you might like, Gerhard Richter at Tate Modern. Now, yes, I know how um, much you love modern art. Can't bear it. I really <laughs> but can't. this one actually you may like because a lot of his artwork, if you can get it up on Google now, is quite photographic in its style. Mm. He's got a very clever way of making paintings look like photographs. Yes, yes. Uh, I think uh, you might quite like that one. The last two weeks of Glamour of the Gods at the National Portrait Gallery. This is 70 Hollywood portraits by. Uh, of people like um, Vivian Lee, Audrey Hepburn, Marilyn Monroe, Clark Gable, and many, many, many more. Right. Another one that you may be interested in as well, Architecture Walks of London. This is a guy who's um, set up a website called LondonArchitecturalWalks.com. And you choose the theme, so it could be London churches or financial London or railway stations, things like that. And you mm-hmm. go off and have a long walk with them in, in your group and he tells you all about that particular area of interest. So popular you have to book in advance. Right, OK. Another one that's very popular, after the last one, Close Up Magic at the Magic Circle. The next one is the 29th of October. Your favourite, Michael Vincent, Steve. I know how much you appreciate him. All oh, right. You would have seen him on Penn and Teller. Yeah. Uh, Will Houston and Chris Wood, Tom Whitestone, four magicians. This one's almost sold out already. MagicCircle.co.uk for more information on that as well. So a lot of magic. Okay. And uh, finally, finally, quickly move on. uh, The iPhone, if you want to read my um, preview of it, go to lbc.co.uk forward slash gadgets for that. Right. Comes out. Is that on the LBC website? It's on the LBC website. Comes out on Friday. The big update to iPhone and all the iOS devices this week as well. Right. Excellent. Does it get a good review or...? You have to read it, Steve. Oh, right, OK. You're not going <laughs> to tell us before, then. No, right. you've got to go to the website. All <laughs> uh, right. yes. Mm. I should go to the LBC website. Actually, the, the, because that's on the LBC website, on the gadget page, there's also, of course, all the classic LBC presenter photographs, uh, all of which are recognisable to me, including Peter Dealey, who is number 45. Right. Five on your hymn sheet. It's got Jill Pyra, Mike Porter, Mike Carson, Michael Van Stratton, Mal Redding, Lawrence Spicer, your brother, Jenny... Dominic. Sorry? Your, your, your brother, Dominic Allen. That's right. All the Allens are up there, I'm afraid. Yeah, your uh, sister, Philip Carol Allen. Eden, and there's uh, Jill Pyra. In fact, there's yeah. loads of people, actually. Philip Bacon. There's just absolutely... Adrian Love. Everybody, yes. Boy Boy. Yeah, a lot of people aren't there anymore. OK, leave it there, thanks. Nice to talk to you. Pleasure as always. See you next week. There's Darren. Michael Jackson's three children were guests of honour at a concert in Cardiff on Saturday night. They appeared in tribute to their late father, Prince Michael, Paris and Blanket, took to the stage in front of an audience of 50,000 people for the Michael Jackson Forever concert at the Millennium Stadium. LBC 97.3's Kevin Hughes was there. He caught up with some of the legends performing, including Michael's brothers Tito, Marlon and Jackie. Gentlemen, how are you doing? We're, We're doing, doing great. Fine. We're doing fine. Hello, fans. <laughs> Tito, when I saw you earlier, you told me that this is just simply a special, special day. Well, it's a very special day remembering all the beautiful things that my brother stood for and all the beautiful music and the legacy of his life. And to be part of that and pay homage to his life and his career is a great event. And you guys are taking to the stage 
which I know fans are just so excited about seeing today. How are you guys feeling about that? Oh, I'm so excited to be on stage with Tito and Marlon, you know, and to watch Marlon do his thing over there. He, he cracks me up, but he's incredible on stage, so, so is Tito. So I'm excited about being on stage and um, going out there and just giving the fans what they want to see, you know. And Marlon, a lot of the family members are here today, including Michael's children. Yes, they are uh, here just to support uh, the event, support their, their uh, father and support their uncle. So, and uh, we look forward to them having a great time as well. I saw them in rehearsals, Tito, and they just look so confident on stage. I mean, that's obviously, we all know where they get that from. Well, I think it's all because of their last name and their father and that whole thing that I guess is in their blood. What can fans expect from the rest of the show today? I think they're going to see a spectacular show, and I think they're going to really enjoy themselves, especially with the lineup that's here tonight with Christine Aguilera, CeeLo Green, Craig David, JLS, uh, Leona Lewis, uh, Smokey Robertson, Gladys Knight. I can go on and on and on if you want me to. <laughs> uh, but it's, it's going to be a really, really good Jamie show. Jamie Foxx hosting, yeah. Jamie Foxx hosting. I mean, yeah, how's he doing? Oh, he's an incredible, funny guy. But he's, he's, he's incredible, great entertainer. So we're so happy to have all these artists. Uh, like, like Marlon said, participating in this tribute show to my brother. And Neil's going to do a great job with the stuff that he's doing because I saw it doing rehearsal, so it's going to be great. And Tito, this must be just relief from what's going on, obviously, with the trial in Los Angeles for you all to experience and celebrate your brother's legacy in music. Yes, uh, it was a rough week last week in trial. I was there, and um, for my mom to get away for a moment to celebrate the brighter side of Michael's life is, is great for her, too, as well. And obviously, it's a special, it's an emotional day, but you feel he's with us today and watching us and celebrating with us of all. course his spirit will be in the house tonight you know and it's going to be exciting and all the other artists are ready to hit the stage it's going to be a great concert come on out and see it. it's going to be incredible and michael jackson forever tribute is here at the millennium stadium i'm starting with the jackson three from the jackson brothers i'm so honored to meet you guys and have an incredible special very special day in cardiff thank you so much thank you very much thank you i should have gone shouldn't i kevin hughes Catching up with some of the legends performing, Michael's brothers Tito, Marlon and Jackie. The family appear to be a little bit split over it, but to be honest with you, if the kids turn up, far as I'm concerned, that's, uh, that's good enough for me. Good enough for me. Lots of pictures on the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, to celebrate our 38th birthday, of which if you look at the pictures of me, I seem to be have celebrated most of them. And, and if you don't know who any of the people are, just send me an email and I'll tell you exactly, because sometimes they're, uh, they've actually sort of missed out who they were and some people are not too sure. But there's some, some very familiar faces on there, mainly courtesy of, uh, of Dawn. I'm just checking, actually. that yeah, Even some of the ones, that, there's a couple of wrong names on there. I couldn't remember the name of our, uh, of our vicar who did a programme once, but luckily his name is on his card. It was Steve Flashman, and he did a programme. And I can't remember when he did a programme. It was nothing to do with religion. He was, he was a funky vicar who, had, who rode a motorbike. That's all I can tell you. And um, that was a few years ago. So you can trawl through on lbc.co.uk. OK, so, uh, so go and have a look through those. You can have a look through uh, some of the attractive presenters that LBC's had over the last 38 years. Quarter to seven... News headlines with Sam Pettis. Thank you, Steve. Police are holding two people after a smash and grab on the Apple store in Covent Garden this morning. The Prime Minister is to receive a report on whether Defence Secretary Liam Fox has breached ministerial guidelines by taking his former flatmate on official trips. And David Cameron is to announce new plans to crack down on sham marriages. The FTSE will open after closing up 12 points at 53.03. London's weather a dry, bright day, some spells of... Morning, everybody. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, Cathy says, it's not free. You give 
to the motability part of your DLA. My husband has MS. It's a very helpful scheme. It's, um, it's very helpful to people who've got an illness. It's not helpful to people who've got children who are naughty children. They shouldn't be getting anything at all like that. It's a fiddle. Uh, Peter Dealey is number 45. Natalie, well done. Uh, Mark and Joe say uh, this, this politeness thing. Starbucks. You know, all you want is a cup of coffee. You get, hello, how are you? What can I get you? On your way to work? Yes, it, it's too much information, isn't it? You don't really feel that you want to divulge it. You know, all you want is, what can I get you? And you go, I'll have a tall, dry, skinny, double-shot cappuccino to go. And that's it. I'm amazed that I can even remember these things. Uh, Irene says, I find some people really rude. You can say good morning to somebody and they just look at you as if you came from another planet. It is true, actually. Uh, Diana says, why should wealthy people receive mobility cars? People who can afford to go on three or four plus holidays each year. And families are in the millionaire bracket. Cool. I don't know anybody who can afford three or four holidays a year. A year? Good grief. I'll push to get me to do sort of one or two holidays. I'm just not very good at all, I'm afraid, on that. Uh, the late, great Mike Dickens, says Malcolm, had the best reply to how are you with my health is not in question. Yes, he used to get very angry. Mind you, this was the great Mike Dickin, who was very anti-caravans, and yet somebody went past his place down in Cornwall and discovered one parked on his drive. <laughs> Daddy had had a caravan. And uh, Sue says, I was in Brighton yesterday, went by train, would have catched a lift if I'd known you were going. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> it was lovely, actually. It really was nice. It got a bit windy towards the uh, you know, middle of the afternoon, but it was absolutely wonderful. Absolutely. It was, it's so nice. There's something about sitting there, looking out over the sea, thinking, gosh, that looks a bit rough. And there's people, you know, sailing and doing all sorts of bits and pieces. Arlene, thank you. 84850, steve at uk. Uh, Mandy says, you mentioned the Bugle Boy at the Garrick, so immediately logged on and bought tickets, as my husband's a massive fan. This was about Glenn Miller. And uh, reasonably priced. And uh, it was a great night. Wonderful music. Left us with a good feeling. In fact, uh, the two ladies had the most amazing voices, and the guy who played Glenn too. So thank you, says Mandy in Swiss Cottage, for a great night out. No doubt you'll be booking for the Sooty Show over the road then at the Garrick. Sooty Show. I think seats are £12.50. And children get a... You've been to... I've never... Did you go to the Mayfair Theatre for the Sooty Show? There was... Oh, back in hometown. Oh, right. Out in the sticks. Good Lord. You see, I, I never saw a sooty show, but I did, you know, I was up in the bulk. Oh, no, could you? Oh, they, they, they could see things they shouldn't see, which kind of ruins it. See the top of their heads. To, oh, no, it ruins it. I used to love things like that, though. I used to love, I love puppets. And I was, I was very jealous of anybody who did um, sooty and stuff like that. Actually, sooty. And, it was, and at the end of it, poor old um, the man who owned it uh, used to go, bye-bye, everybody. Bye bye. As he was drenched with water, but they used to sell all the uh, the puppets. One of my producers, Mandy, used to go out with this guy who toured with a sooty show, and they would sell all the sooty puppets. So I got a complete set of all of them. But Amanda, when she went, they'd sold out of sooty, so she had to settle for sweep. Oh, they sold out of sweep. Oh, see, everybody wanted sweep. I've got sweep at home. I've got sweep. Yeah. We- Yes, he's got the squeaker in and everything. Oh, he's really good. Uh, been listening to LBC since day one, says Ray. And I remember a show, All the Best from the West. Not on air. I don't remember that. I mean, there was a country show, which was uh, presented by Jim Kelts. And Jim Kelts is better known as the live-in partner of Jenny Bond. And Jim Kelts used to talk like that. And he used to have a real... So he, had, he was really great at doing the country show. And I think it was called Kelts Country. I seem to... In the days when we had... We had Sid Burke doing Rice and Peas. A pro- programme from a, a black perspective, and I saw him a short while ago. Geet Marler with Suresh Joshi and Bindi and everybody else, and that was, that was a great programme. 
And uh, we had Sight Unseen, programme for the blind, with Lawrence Spicer, which I used to voice with Richard Robbins. And, oh gosh, there were so many different programmes. So many different programmes over the years. No doubt people have probably got recordings of them and little bits that, um, that we, we would probably rather forget, I think, at the time. Uh, Lynn says, morning, Stephen. One story said, morning to the cashier. She mumbled something grumpy, so I tried again. Cheer up, it's Friday. Yeah, but I have to work Saturday. I gave up. It's true, isn't it? You, get, you, you never know. You know, when you try and throw something back to them, and they have to be polite when they're probably not feeling polite. Uh, Steve, I live in Russia, and trust me, the British are polite. The contrast here is astounding. Yes, I mean, I always thought they were fairly, not aggressive, the Russians, but a little bit brusque. Brusque would be a good uh, good description. Nick Ferrari this morning. It's the weather as well. Remember, at the moment, they're probably all freezing to death there. Freezing to death, and you get a bit cold, and because there's so much corruption going on in Russia and so many bent businessmen and uh, so many people who make absolute fortunes and so many people who live in poverty and so much drunkenness and, uh, and so many shops which were o- only open to the right people. You know, if you're an ordinary person, you live in some ghastly places. Ghastly places. Small wonder people want to come here. Uh, Nick Ferrari. All the day's uh, top stories. He'll be talking to the former Home Secretary, Charles Clark, who's in to look at the papers. He's a uh, former Labour MP for Norwich South. And Nick will be asking his opinion on the morning discussion on political scandal. It does make the papers, strange enough, but, but not as much as uh, Paul McCartney getting married. Paul McCartney, I know we're all interested in Liam Fox. My God, it's a strange story. But uh, Paul McCartney tying the knot for the third time and uh, every predicting this will be the one that will see him through to the end, which is good. Uh, he was in tears, and all the press were at him for He had a nice time. He had a nice time. And when you think he's one of the few surviving Beatles, the other one is Chuff, 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 said Thomas. And that was uh, good old Ringo, who in his day had his uh, his own hit singles. But that makes the front of nearly all the papers, including The Independent. Um, also, uh, Adam Werity, whose relationship with Liam Fox is at the centre of this political storm, uh, is on the front of The Independent. What they're saying now is uh, Fox has to go. And uh, it's amazing how many meetings he appeared to go to with Mr Fox. He was only a friend, a former former flatmate, and he turned up to all these meetings. So they'll be talking about that this morning. Uh, apparently, it now turns out that Liam Fox uh, put a close friend with defence-related business interests on the public payroll. But uh, it's Paul McCartney who makes the front pages. The Booze Cruise, the England star. We're not very good at the rugby, are we, at the moment, I'm afraid. Uh, jumped off a ferry. Paul McCartney again. Front page headline. I'm surprised they didn't all come up with this one. She loves me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is quite good. And uh, luckily, she's very rich as well. And he's very rich, so everybody very happy. And Michael Winner's got a new book out. He rejoices in being Britain's rudest man, settling some new scores. He says, Nigella, a rude cow. Uh, Marlon Brando, love tie brides. And Sting's wife sent me nude photos. It's the uh, it's the very spicy Michael Winner's life, and he's just got married. And uh, Michael Caine was there as well, so it was all uh, it was all good stuff. Uh, one here uh, from Denzel who says, "You've entertained me for years. It's a lie, and I shall sue anybody who says anything differently." So if you go to the LBC website, go to lbc.co.uk and check out the, uh, the photographs. As I say, if, if 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 there isn't a name up there, send me an email. I'll tell you who they are. Because they're all uh, past presenters. Some of them, strangely enough, we went through a phase at LBC of having producers' photos put up there. Because if a programme was particularly successful, uh, the listeners wanted to see what the producer looked like, especially if they featured on the programme. So you will find people like uh, Mal Redding and... uh, Is it Mal Redding? 
Yes, and uh, and Bavin Cook and Knuckles and people like that who feature on the LBC website because they were all part of the programmes. So uh, check it out, lbc.co.uk. And if you've never podcast before, then go and check out the podcasting because that will change your life forever. You never need to go away on a boring holiday and sit there thinking there's nothing to listen to. There'll always be an LBC programme that you can download. I'm back with you tomorrow morning. Hope the weather is kind to us today. It's Monday. We've got the start of it's either going to be absolutely brilliant or blooming freezing. I think this week should be nice. Next week, it'll, it'll turn into the, uh, into the Arctic weather, I'm afraid. So don't forget, we told you first on LBC. Nick and the team with you after seven. See you tomorrow uh, after the, uh, the news. It's the business news with Sam Pettis. Thank you, Steve. The FTSE will open after closing